I'm Jordan Hagedorn. And I'm John Kim. And this is Sneaker Salaries, a deep dive look at sneaker news and sneaker culture with insights from those that live the passion and the lifestyle of sneakers. All right, welcome back to Sneaker Salaries. I'm John Kim, and today we're going to cover the first impressions of the next Tom Sachs neck issue, the Mars Yard 2.5. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Turduncan Ducks by Nike and Concepts. So today we're joined by creative director of Concepts, Dion Point. Uh, Dion has a great background in sneakers, and we'll share a lot of stories from his journey and also give you guys advice on how to make it in sneakers as well. So Without further ado, Dion, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you all again. It's been a minute. It's been a while. <laughs> long minute. <laughs> long minute, right? <laughs> yeah. Very long time. So, Dion, you want to just touch a little bit on kind of your background, your role at Concepts, and, and just give people a little intro into who you are? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, my role now, yeah, creative director, so they say, uh, technically speaking, uh, more just footwear design. So I do all the collaborations. I do do uh, apparel collaborations as well. So like Canada Goose, Artyrex, uh, everything from Birkenstock, things like that. I don't do our actual private label. We got a good group of guys that handle that. But, um, you know, just try to do anything that's uh, forward facing for the brand, bags, signs, things like that, you know, and just try to keep everything rolling. Sounds good. And, and without going too in depth, can you just give us a little, just a little bit of a history of kind of how long you've been doing it and, and what made you decide to roll with concepts and how that's been going? Yeah, entirely too long. Uh, man, I think I joined the team when, uh, I, th- I want to say, I know there was Viotex on the wall. Uh, there was a uh, year of the horse Air Force Ones, uh, if that's not taking you f- too far back. Uh, Acorns had just came out, uh, right? So yeah, uh, yeah, that long ago. At least that's when I started shopping. And then um, I'd say, yeah, about 2004 or so is when I really like joined the team officially. Mm-hmm. And that was just like stocking shelves, working. I wasn't even allowed on the floor at that time. Just don't show your face. Just be here. Work the SKUs, codes, all that stuff. So, yeah, I was a nerd for that. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it's good that, you know, all three of us, we kind of share that same, uh, you know, point in history where we're all into shoes. I mean, we're all obviously into it today, but we can all look back at those times. Um, so, yeah, we just want to get quickly into the shoes. You know, there's one one new sneaker that really popped up this week on the Newswire. And that's uh, a Tom Sachs Nike Mars Yard shoe. You know, as you guys know, Tom Sachs, he's uh, an artist by trade. And he kind of really came into, uh, I guess, the sneaker limelight because of his Mars Yard shoes. And, you know, we did get a first look at the 2.5, which is basically essentially the same shoe with a, like a black rubber toe cap. So, Dion, what are your thoughts on the 2.5? What are your, what's your personal history um, with that shoe or with, with whatever Nike collaborations he's done? Yeah, uh, man, it's funny. I didn't know we were going to be talking about it. I'm actually wearing uh, the Infinite Archives Tom Sachs shirt that he did with Easy. Uh, but yeah, it's this is a fun one, man. It's it's. <laughs> I actually might be one of the only people in history that's not the bigger fan of the shoe. Uh, so I never really was. I it wasn't for me, and uh, all my friends love it. It's super coveted. It's obviously one of the biggest shoes, uh, probably in most recent time, at least in the past decade or so. But um, yeah, I mean, I, could, I honestly don't know if I'm checking for it like that, to be honest. But I but I do appreciate it uh, as someone with a little bit of background in design, nothing there along the lines of what Tom has done. Uh, I understand the simplicity of it. And I do appreciate that, the color spectrum and whatnot. But um, yeah, that wasn't really one for me. That's not my speed. I think when the, the first shoe dropped, 
it was a very like a small batch thing. You know, that's when the world of art wasn't entirely immersed in sneakers. I remember I went to uh, the Park Avenue Armory where they did a pop-up shop. And uh, shout out to Todd Jordan, who was a Nike SB skater. And he, I think he ran the shop uh, at the Park Avenue Armory. And yeah, it's, the stuff was just kind of like sitting on the shelves. And even at that time, you know, the way the shoe looks, it had an SFB sole. The upper yeah. looked very plain, almost like a lava. It really wasn't what sneakerheads were looking for at the time. Because what, 2010, 2011 was Jordans and Nike basketball mostly. Why do you think it just sort of blew up the way that it did? Because the the 2.0s just went crazy. Went nuts. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I got to say, like, there's a lot of shoes that I appreciate that I don't necessarily wear. Uh, in fact, I don't wear any of our stuff. So so that just goes to show where my head is at. But I think, um, yeah, it, you know, there's something special about him maybe recognizing that early on. For some people, it might have been too early, but if you look at the the way that things have kind of swayed now, um, that whole retro vibe is is pretty much everything. So I can't say that uh, the sneaker world doesn't owe him a big favor and and kind of like ensuring that that was uh, he was at the forefront of that. Um, yeah, I think people sometimes like simple. You know, I love technology. I like adapts. I like. Uh, certain crazy ISPA shoes and stuff. But again, they're not really for me. So um, I try to always reserve judgment and just let people know that uh, you don't have to like everything to appreciate it, especially in the sneaker world. It's no different than art, right? So yeah, kudos to him, man. Jordan, what about you? What are your thoughts on just the Mars Jordan shoes in general? I know that's not a Jordan Hagedorn shoe, but... <laughs> it's <sure>. not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I respect Tom as an artist and, and really appreciate what he's done uh, just in the world of art, but also... To come into the sneaker world and and kind of make an impact and bring something fresh and new, uh, it is not my style, and and I'm not looking for that shoe either. But uh, I respect those who who chase that down and uh, and what Tom has done in the world of art. I mean, like for me personally, like I said, I I went to the Park Avenue Armory just to try to buy the shoes. They they sold out of the shoes, but their apparel was there at the time. Spending four hundred dollars on like a Nike jacket seemed kind of ridiculous. So I, I and I just didn't have that money to spend, so I didn't buy it. But um, when they did the 2.0 and even those, the crazy, uh, the overshoe, the overshoe is not for me, but you know, I, I had to get it the second time around. So I could definitely appreciate it. It's just weird because the, the sneaker news office was down the block from Tom Sachs' studio. So we would just see him walk around downtown. So it just, I think maybe there's that connection that just made, made me want to shoe. But, uh, but yeah, uh, let's move on uh, quickly. Um, there's really only one thing to really talk about right now since you're here. Obviously it's the Turduncan Dunks. You know, the the concept is there. It's inspired by the, the chicken in, inside the duck, inside the turkey, which is so crazy, so ridiculous. But at the same time, it's kind of what we've come to expect from the concepts team uh, without, you know, going too deep into it. You know, where did this idea come from? Yeah, so it's funny me, um, you know, saying I'm not a big fan of something that's actually probably well constructed with a, with a great, uh, you know, just kind of landscape behind it. And I'm over here like, yeah, I made a chicken out of a shoe. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's something that started back in 2014. I've kind of alluded to it on social a little bit. Um, Spongy, who was one of the guys that brought me in, he was the OG concepts guy when I first started shopping and I spent all my money. We used to just, you know, sit around the shop, as I'm sure you guys have done, just like, you know, brainstorming, having fun. And it was one of those things that just kind of kept being a recurring joke. And uh, we always thought, what if we could do it? So when a holiday uh, situation presented itself for a dunk, uh, I'm, I'm definitely over the ugly sweater. I'm sure the rest of the world is. It was like, what else can we do? How can we have fun? 
um, wanted to stare clear at Thanksgiving. So we were, uh, we were kind of tasked with trying to figure out what would fall into that time frame. Uh, maybe that color palette could work, uh, foliage, fall and things like that. Uh, but how can we, you know, ensure that the humor is intact? Because, uh, for a lot of people didn't really like it, I think, or maybe has some reservations with it. But I think for us, it's like just, with SB, what made it cool for us was being in on the joke, having fun, like the storylines. That's literally where I learned it from. A lot of people, like you guys are the kings of storytelling, but, um, you know, hats off to SB because I think they did it first, kind of really in a, in a, in a way that was a little bit under the radar. Um, definitely rebellious. So we wanted to keep that intact. And, you know, here we are talking about a shoe made out of three different birds. Uh, if you can't get more ridiculous than that, I don't know who can, you know. And I said, uh, at one point I said, John Madden would be a fan of the shoe. I tried, man. I, uh, <laughs> so, so then, you know, you get away from Thanksgiving. You're like, what do you think about during that time? Obviously food, you know, football, fun, reached out to Nerf. They, they were like, what are you talking about? And initially and, um, got them on board, but yeah, it's been about a year and a half in the making. So, um, we took a chance on Brown. I didn't know if Brown sneakers are going to be like, um, you know, a thing, but, but because I think for me, uh, escape pack and things like that, maybe some early ACG stuff was when you first really saw Brown, but it, it really didn't have a resurgence for quite some time. So um, when we were mocking it up, we want to throw some color in there just to make sure if the Brown was not for everybody, maybe it would balance out. So um, yeah, I mean, we're happy with that outcome. I, I also would like to say that that shoe's hideous. I don't, I don't think it's a great shoe uh, at all. It's definitely not for me, but, um, but it seemed to get a great reaction. So we're stoked on it, man. Well, and, and can you touch a little bit on concepts? And you personally have really done a great job influencing some brands like Nerf and, and Nike. And you guys are very few, there are very few people in the industry that can do that. Can you talk about the process of collaborating with these brands and, and kind of how you guys have grown it to the point where you have that respect and the ability to collaborate? Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, I, you know, for, for kids at home, um, I think the, the key thing to note is it's never easy. Uh, we've done, I don't know how many collaborations I've done with Nike at this point, especially SB, but, uh, it's still a lot of trial and error and, and really just sending emails, nudging them, getting them to understand. I mean, ugly sweater for me took about three years to convince them to do. And, um, I remember, you know, shout out rat, uh, you know, he was my guy, uh, for a while here at concepts trying to convince him. It's just like, this is so stupid. I'm like, I know that's the whole point. And you know, you look at it, you're like, I don't want to be laughed at. Um, but when you're in on the joke, uh, there's really nothing to risk. So I didn't take it as that. We do a lot of serious shoes. We have a lot of great storylines. And sometimes we just literally want to have fun and, and come up with something ridiculous. And uh, that became, you know, one of the biggest shoes we had ever done with SB. And that's why we decided to continue it. I mean, I, I won't do it, but I mean, I think if we were to uh, bring it out every year, we would still have tremendous amount of success because the, the phone used to ring off the hook every, probably when people Google ugly sweaters that pops up and then they're like, oh my God. So it's just a new customer every single year. But um, yeah, for even all the things that we've done, uh, the Tordunka the was a tough one. I think uh, Steve Pelletier over at Nike SB just kind of believed in it and was ready to give it a shot. We had been talking about it since 2014, so it wasn't really new. And it was like, now's the time to do it. Uh, Nerf, on the other hand, you know, it just takes a little bit of work, working the angles there. I, I literally put up something on like, um, I think Facebook, cause I had no contact there. I'm like, does anybody know anybody at Nerf? Cause I know nobody and they want me to turn my calls. 
They won't answer DMs because obviously I'm not a big celebrity or influencer or anything like that. And, and some kid, uh, my, this kid Adam was like, yeah, I can do it for you and connected me. And, and here we are, you know, a year later with uh, one of the fastest selling vortexes of all time because <laughs> they released it on Nerf.com and uh, they had tremendous success. So we, we were super excited to work with them on that. That's amazing. Congrats. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting that you had to resort to like Facebook right. just sending a message out. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the kind of the level of hustle that still exists to this day because everyone thinks that, oh, Concept is a huge name. Synchro News is a huge name. These things just get delivered to us on a, a platter. But sometimes it's not like that. It's, there's a lot of chasing down that's involved. Um, in what ways like has that maybe helped you see that, you know, the process is way more grittier than it's made out to be, you know? Yeah, it's it's a lot, man. I think, um, you know, shout out Sneaker News, first of all, for sending me the awesome snacks over the years, you know, I get in the popcorn tins and things like that. Um, I don't I don't think uh, until you've actually been through like a rigorous process like that, you understand exactly how much work goes into some of the smaller things. So even, our, you know, our peers, um, some of the other great shops that do amazing things, I see packaging and people try to compare it. And I'm like, it's, it's always different, man. Um, I know the amount of work that goes into it. I mean, for that football, uh, you know, big shout out to Nerf. That was probably, uh, no lie, probably 40 emails. Uh, I'd say no less than 15, uh, zoom calls over, over that period of time, just getting it right. Um, understanding each side, what needed to be accomplished, um, just for somebody to, you know, to get that, that small piece. So, I mean, whether it's an accessory or something, you know, some of the big guys do, uh, I have the utmost appreciation for that because at the end of the day, um, me being who I am and trying to be creative and trying to get other people to see it is, is not easy, even with the things we've accomplished. And, and, you know, for a kid that's up and coming that is trying to figure out where he belongs through all this within the industry, um, that's discouraging, you know, especially when you have no voice and no contacts and no connections. Like, I don't think if I was me 10 years ago and I put something up on Facebook that I would have got a response probably, you know? So, um, but I also think like, you know, it's, it's trial and error. You got to keep pushing and trying to figure out, um, how to break down those doors because even for someone like me, I can't just make a call and pick up a phone and make it happen. Um, and, and that's okay. That's humbling, but it's also what keeps us driving, uh, to continue to do more. I think that's key that, you know, if, you know, if you're just trying to crack into this industry or any industry in general, it's it, it requires a level of doing something that someone else might be too proud, like proud to do, or something like that. You know, um, but yeah, just going going back to the 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 way concepts are sort of shaped, the way uh, collaborations are done. Um, they're not necessarily the first to do all these, you know, great packaging and whatnot. When I think of great shoe packaging, the first shoe I always think of is the Newports. That Ari did, oh. I mean, with the with the cigarette box and everything like that. But oh, no. so sick, yeah, yeah, it's a great shoe, and I'm so happy that that shoe's getting this sort of second life mm -hmm. right now. But on a boutique standpoint, it was it was really concepts that really helped launch that with the lobster dunks, and I think just the presentation wise, and if it almost raised the bar. And now that that standard is kind of the standard now, what mm -hmm. does concepts do next? Like, what do you think is next for concepts in terms of raising the the stakes in terms of storytelling or creating like retail experiences for consumers, things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you touched on it. Um, first shout out, Ari. That's like, obviously one of the driving forces in me, like thinking the way I do. Um, I know like 
there's been some great packaging over the years. SB's done some cool stuff. The Michael Lau, like, uh, that mud box is just insane. My boss has one and I'm like, wow, that's sick. Um, and I remember wanting it so bad, but uh, there's one thing to keep in mind is when we got the opportunity to do the, uh, Red Lobster, um, we knew that that might be our only chance ever. So, uh, I sat with my boss and I was trying to figure out how we can make it bigger and different. And that's where the packaging conversation came into to play. And I've touched on it over a couple of conversations over the years, but I don't think people fully understand. Like we didn't even uh, break even. We, we literally took a big loss on that. Um, the packaging all in all cost us a ton of money. When we actually got the opportunity to do blue lobster, we lost our shirt. Uh, sophomore jinx, we knew that it was even more important. Um, so now we're at a place where we try to like factor in, uh, you know, PNL and all that stuff. And, and, uh, I, I've gotten reamed out a couple of times, just, you know, trying to push the envelope and do crazy stuff and be like, all right, this doesn't make sense. But, uh, that's when we, we started reaching a point, um, with packaging that we were like, what can we do next? And then the opportunity to do something in New York and take over the old rival shop, um, shout out, you know, Vinnie Ponte for allowing us in there and to do some cool stuff. And, we were thinking of maybe this is the next step in packaging is uh, build outs. And, and that's when we did like Rose. I think we did, um, we did Regatta and we did, uh, Asics eight ball, which was, you know, probably one of my faves of all time. And, and that's when we were like, okay, you know, it's not just about packaging and YC experience. So while we can't invest too much money and do the things that we used to do, uh, to that ex- extent, uh, we're certainly always trying to figure out how we can make it, um, the experience and bring it back in, uh, especially with COVID, you know, we knew that we were up against, uh, not being able to do a first come first serve thing. So how do we make the experience and the packaging? And that's why we did the outbound shipping box and all these little things. Um, whether it's an afterthought or not, it's up to us to put our best foot forward and show people that, you know, we, we care about our projects enough to try to make the experience, um, alive and well, even if they can't be there in person. So I want to touch on something that not many people maybe know about. It kind of flew under the radar. But when I was out there, you got a ch- in Boston, you got a chance to meet Tom Brady. So you are uh, personally one somebody that blends sport and style really well. And uh, I'm a diehard football fan. You know, you and I met up briefly. Oh, know, we talk a lot. Yeah, uh, at the Chiefs Patriots game. And uh, can you talk about the project you did with Tom Brady? Maybe not too much depth, but what it was like to meet somebody you look up to and, and somebody who's brought a lot of greatness to that area. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, uh, uh, this is a great lesson for kids at home. Um, you know, it, it was a great opportunity for us. Uh, but what happened uh, during the process was uh, we we talked about the shoe we were going to do, which was a shoe that was that they wanted to push and uh, propel into the, into the atmosphere. So, uh, we were cool on that, but, um, Tom is, uh, his team is, a, is a bit, um, how, how could I say it? They're a bit more reserved than what we're typically used to. So we kind of threw the kitchen sink at them and it would get cut down and cut down and cut down. And then timelines were coming about, uh, it needed to happen by a certain time. So I wouldn't say both parties reached an, an agreement. It was more so, um, we, we kind of, we kind of took it down a couple notches in order to get the product out there forward facing to, to the consumer. So, um, it's not like just because an opportunity like that presents itself that the world opens up to you. Uh, there's no, there's no, um, you know, key holder like in the matrix and you just keep running down the, the hallway. It, uh, it was a little bit humbling in that it maybe wasn't one of the best things I've ever did or we've ever did, excuse me. Um, 
but we were happy with it nonetheless. Um, it, it may have came off as, oh, you did Patriots colors and uh, the box wasn't the packaging we're used to seeing. Um, but that's just what you're up against sometimes. I mean, we were we were blessed and extremely happy to be part of it. And obviously meeting Tom, um, you know, it was it was one of the best tests, but it was the best one of the best moments in my life. You know, uh, he was super cool and chill, and uh, yeah, I mean, it sold out it, uh, super fast. Which we've had shoes that I think we've done better of that didn't sell out that fast. So the star power was there, um, and and you know we couldn't be more elated at what happened, and obviously we're sad to lose him, um, but we love Cam. So no, it's good. tough, but I I just remember I was there the weekend you met him. And and you were like a kid in a candy store, man. I, all these big projects yeah. you've done, and you were just like, oh man, just, it was crazy right. to see to see that. I mean, you're a football fanatic, man. It, it's uh, I didn't think that opportunity would come. And then the shoe was baked. We were done. We were ready to rock. And uh, Under Armour called me and was like, "Hey, what are you going to be doing Tuesday?" And it was like Monday night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cool, whatever it takes. Let's get on. Let's get there and make it happen. So yeah, it was awesome. Man. I mean, it's crazy if you think back, like your your roots at Concept, starting just as a stock guy, and now you're, hey, you got to meet Tom to, you know, finalize this project. Like, what goes th- what goes through your mind when you when those events happen? Uh, so I don't own Concepts. I I don't have any ownership of it at all. But I love it like it's my baby. So um, when I do talk to store owners and such and other guys that are successful. Uh, you know, we lean on each other often, and uh, we'll have those conversations, and it gets stressful. And I'm just like, yeah, but remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago when we were struggling to get accounts, when we were, you know, at wit's end, or there's been dark times. I mean, it wasn't like the sneaker industry has always been, uh, you know, utterly successful. There's been highs and lows, and uh, there's there's shoes that sell now for an insane amount of money that used to be on a sale rack for forty dollars, and. I wish I bought them all, you know, I, I had a, it's funny. I was talking to someone the other day about, um, I don't know why I'm bringing this shoe up, but it, it was topic of conversation. The Olympic Air Force Ones, um, they came out, they sat on the shelf for honestly, I think a month or maybe, maybe six weeks. And I loved them. I bought two pairs and, uh, and it wasn't until fabulous where I'm on the cover of the source that the phone started ringing and things started selling or there would be instances of shoes just, kind of, you know, sitting on the shelf for, you know, right now what would be considered an obscene amount of time. And then out of nowhere, it just picked up and caught on. Now it's like if a shoe doesn't sell out day of, it's a failure. Uh, And we as retailers are trying to figure out how we can um, stretch those moments out because Saturdays are fun, but, uh, you know, it's become, it's become so uh, desensitized. It's just like if, if this doesn't work at this time, um, there's been great shoes that have been sleepers that I, I love and I'll try to scoop up later on, you know. Um, so hopefully we start to see a little bit more of that because um, I don't I don't think that's a, a true um, testament of a great shoe, especially with uh, multiple shoes dropping every weekend. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's it's not even just these Saturdays anymore. Yeah. There's a release date Thursday, Sundays, Tuesdays and every day. You have to like kind of be on top of your game, which is why Sneaker News does what it does, I guess. Um, but um, it's interesting you bring up like shoes that may not have had that much of an impact in the beginning. I mean, the first Lobster Dunk is a great example of that. You know, I remember at that time, like a brand new pair was like, I don't know, 250, oh, yeah. 300 bucks. Now it's like in the four figures easily. Um, I think obviously the the landscape of sneaker boutiques have changed drastically, you know, COVID being one of them, you know, you, you just can't really like go into a shop anymore like that. But um, there are still a lot of people out there who maybe 
can relate to your start, you know, where they worked at a store. What sort of advice can you give to someone who's who's maybe in your position 20 years ago? Like, what's really the next step? Because right now, the the generation of uh, the creators for these boutiques were shop guys like you, and they just kind of came up and they were trusted to kind of carry on the the vision of the shop. It doesn't seem as prevalent these days. So what sort of advice do you have to someone who wants to kind of do what you do, but there really is no linear, linear path to that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. That's the question I get asked probably more than any. Um, you know, so it's good to be able to address a large group than repeat and paste the same answer. I think uh, there's more opportunity now than there ever was. Uh, for me at that time and what I was doing, uh, I didn't really realize it. I don't think any of us did that we were shaking hands and, and forging relationships uh, that that eventually would go on to kind of help us later in life. I think uh, I tell the kids in the shop all the time, you know, keep an eye out. There's usually large packs of people from a brand coming in. They're all dressed <laughs> similar. At least the footwear will match. Um, those are the people you want to go talk to air off because they're looking for sound bites from you. Um, there's nothing more valuable than a kid on the floor, even a consumer, there when those people are there because they want that information more than anything else. Um, it's integral to, you know, the well-being of whatever brand it is. So I tell people look out for that. But then um, now it's it's become so much more than just working at a store. I mean, there's photographers, there's, uh, you know, content creators, there's all these social apps, there's uh, people that are into design, people that maybe work in packaging, maybe their parents own a business that um, you know, does tissue paper. I mean, there's so many different things now. I don't think any of those opportunities existed. So I think like when you can forget the just staring at the shiny object and focus on everything else, um, more opportunity will come about. I mean, for me, I have no training in footwear design, none whatsoever. I still can barely work a computer. Um, I, I couldn't even figure out how to do this. So, you know what I mean? Thank you for the tutorial ahead of time. Uh, it's it's not so much about that. I know I know how to do shoes. I mean, that's my thing. Um, so I have a team around me that understands and I work with them and I, I take their information into account before we um bring forth the project. But yeah, I tell people all the time, like, you know, there's so much more out there. Just just kinda be open minded. Cause for me I was just a sneaker collector, you know? I did what I did to get any shoe in the world I'd get my hands on. It was insatiable. I did trades. I was on Nike talk. I had an account. I was like, an, I was a sneaker nerd. Like that was what I was. And, uh, you know, I, I loved it at that point. It was like a form of currency for us walking around the street and being out and doing all these things. And, um, when I gave up construction, that's a conversation like everybody talks about when I do interviews and such, but it's not so much that as it is that I was like, wait a minute. Like I hate doing construction. I love sneakers. What the, you know, how can I do to get involved in that? And that's when I was like, I'll start somewhere and figure it out. Um, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but at least I'll be happy. So I think starting there is like, you know, a good focal point for anybody trying to like, you know, get, the, get their way in. I think that's a great point. You know, loving sneakers is one thing, but it has to be backed with hard work. It has to be backed with some sort of vision. Um, and nobody's really handed anything just because you really like something. You know, if we all got what we really wanted, we'd all be dating <laughs> you know, our dream women, right? Let's just be real, right? But that's just really not the case, unfortunately. But, um, and even for myself, like, I don't like to speak about it too much, but, you know, I have a, a, a background in the health field. I turned down a pretty big salary right out of college because I just thought, you know what? I love sneakers too much. I, I have an expertise in this thing that I studied in school, but I can't stop thinking about release dates and 
you know, why this shoe is called this versus that and who designed this and that. But, um, and I think you bring up a really good point that, you know, because media is so wide now, there's so many different, there's a new social media platform every day. There's ways to contribute to that, right? You can be a photographer, you can be a videographer, you can write copy, you can do so many different things. And you know what? Opportunities such as designing a collaboration, it might come up. Like I never thought I would help with any of that kind of stuff. And now I do have friends who work for these big brands who shoot me a text and just want my idea. You know, they just want wow. my thoughts. They want to, yeah. And, and I think another key point that I really like that you brought up is that, you know, when these people come to the shops or the people from the brands come, they're there to see you. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to see, they want your know-how because we are kind of desensitized to all the knowledge that we have, but it's a real wealth of knowledge that someone else can really, really, really learn from. Absolutely. I, th I think, uh, well, two things. Uh, one, kudos to you because I remember uh, Sneaker News starting. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I mean, oh. I remember, uh, you know, at that point, uh, Nike Talk was still probably uh, one of the biggest, you know, kind of platforms there was. And there was a couple others. So for you starting that at a time when you weren't necessarily the first, uh, and becoming what you guys are now, which I think is the authority. I don't even follow uh, blogs because I, I try not to get distracted too much by what everybody else is doing. So I never play dumb when people are like, is this going on? This going on? I'll check um, the blogs like once, once maybe a week and get uh, everything I need to get and uh, digest what I need to get. But you're, you're one of the, the groups that I follow. So, um, you know, it's, it's amazing to see where it started to where it is now. So I'm sure like the people that come up asking you questions are, are focused on where you're at now, but they don't understand that at one point uh, you were very nervous and curious and learning everything you could and just kind of had something in mind that you wanted to, you know, follow through. So um, I think, I think even that's a huge aspect of footwear is, you know, there's so much stuff I hear podcasts and there's, uh, you know, blogs and there's just so many, there's just so many ways to go now. I don't think we knew that that stuff existed on early 2000s, you know? We were just really trying to buy shoes. Dion, I remember I got the email from Yu Ming when he started Sneaker News. I'm on like the original list in November of 2007. And it said, hey guys, I'm starting the CNN of sneakers. And never would have thought I'd, I'd end up working there in New York and connected with John. And uh, you said something about curiosity. You know, John, I think is one of the hardest working dudes in the industry. He's always on top of all this stuff and has really made Sneaker News a, a force uh, along with you, Ming, and our team. Absolutely. And your end on concepts, you know, it's that curiosity that has pushed you guys to kind of continue to learn and soak it in and, and meet a lot of people. Uh, you guys touched on hard work. You know, Dion, we see this Tur Duncan shoe and it comes out and it's cool in the marketing, but you talk about a six-year journey. You talk about, I mean, I saw the video, there's like 20 different sketches and renderings of the shoe, you know, that whole process. And I saw it firsthand. We worked on a project together out in Boston in, in 2018 and, and did a lot of fun stuff around the store opening. And, Absolutely. you know, I saw not only how you, who, how you approached, you know, you said, I'm just a, a, I love sneakers or I'm just a sneaker guy. Well, the leadership you brought to the team and, and the ability to kind of bring everybody together to, to kind of have a, a common vision is something that I respect. So, you know, we, we thank you for everything you've done for the sneaker world. I think it, it started with love, but it, it now continues with that hard work and, and that leadership with concepts. And I think we've seen a lot of shops over the years kind of have to level up because of the work you guys have done. So props to you guys and, and, you know, thanks so much for everything. Appreciate it, man. No, I think, uh, I still love it, uh, very much the same as I always have. And, um, 
you know, eventually there'll be someone to come take my place and, and, and figure this out. That'll probably be a thousand times more fluent in sneaker design than I am. But, um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's all about like bringing new people in, figuring it out, trying to guide them and help them and, um, seeing their vision. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good career for someone that, um, wants to get old doing what they love. As long as they understand that the new kids are coming in and they're going to kind of dictate the pace a little bit more. I think it's a great balance of experience and curiosity. Um, and that's what I kind of chalk it up to, you know, but, um, yeah, man, it's fun. I mean, it's definitely could be doing a lot worse things. You know, <laughs> people always say, what do you think about resellers and this, that, and the third? I'm like, Oh my God, man, from, from my era, they could be doing a lot worse. So uh, as long as they're not hurting anybody, I'm totally cool with that. You know, I know it makes it harder, but, uh, for those that forget, it wasn't that easy getting shoes uh, way back then before resellers even existed. It was still very difficult. There was like, you know, Code JP and there was like, you know, shoes that were only regionally uh, announced and trying to figure out and trace the steps of how to even get them uh, and, and actually calling around and harassing people or making trades. Like it wasn't that easy. So, I mean, I don't know anybody that that, you know, when they say that, I'm like, maybe you were just dialed in and you knew the right people. Cause for me, uh, I went through hell. I, you know, I was going, flying around, doing everything, um, taking late calls and trying to figure out how to get my hands on one shoe. And then as soon as that went on to the next, you know, didn't stop. Yeah. I think, um, that, that, that whole era doesn't get remembered quite well sometimes, no. but yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. People thought that, yeah, you could just walk into Nike town, Chicago or on 57th Street and walk in and buy a pair of cool gray 11s. I'm like, it just, it never Hell was. Hell no, man. I, I want to know what, what <laughs> memory they had because it, it was just not easy. And I think that's a, a big reason why places like Nike Talk is so cherished because you couldn't get those dunks. But you know what? If you look through the classified ads, someone's selling it for maybe um, just shipping costs and, you know, a lunch on top. No one was really trying to make that buck. But you know what? Like, I, like, like you said, no, if no one's being hurt, no one's being hurt. So. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I'll pro I'll pro I mean, you know, the the kids now and everything, I don't really check the comments all that much. It's fun. Sometimes it's whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it's more like the the people that are just really happy to get their hands on stuff, too. So it's a good balance. I mean, I, I see it both sides. I mean, we try to do the bot uh, protection thing as much as we can. I think we did a our team did an amazing job this time, um, got them in hands and um, you know, there's still a little flack that comes with that, but you can only do your best to combat it. I mean, there's a bot for everything now. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, <laughs> I saw a kid clean up on like Nintendo Switch or something over the summer and, you know, there's, uh, there's something for everything. So, you know, the world is changing. You just got to adapt as best you can and hope that it makes sense. I think especially in the sneaker market though, like the, the, re the resale side of things is just so much more obvious now. Right before it was only on Nike Talk, or you have to surf through eBay. But now there's so many platforms where you can do that. And I, I guess you know, since you're the collaborator, Concepts does the collaborations. They're they're you know very involved in when shoes dropped and all that kind of stuff. What do you think? What are your personal thoughts on just the general future moving forward? I mean, obviously this bot thing is going to be around until someone innovates some new thing, or there's like a new way to drop shoes or whatnot. Where do you think it's going to go next? Um, I mean, it's funny. I think, uh, I think it's, it's still going to continue to, uh, propel. I mean, if you look at 
the technology space, uh, they, they've been dealing with that forever. iPhones and things like that. Obviously we're seeing it now with, uh, Playstations and Xbox and things like that. Um, so, you know, that side of it, you can only hope to keep it, uh, subdued as best as possible, but I think it'll still continue to go. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of new creators, man. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people in the brands. Uh, forget what I do. I'm literally taking a shoe and, uh, just putting, you know, my spin on it. There's people creating, uh, technology every day at these brands who don't get, uh, kudos enough. I mean, I think like that's what's keeping it exciting. I, I still love a retro shoe, uh, you know, coming back out, but, but I love the new stuff just as well. I mean, I was doing the, um, I'm a little older, so I forget the name sometimes, but I think the, uh, the something percent, uh, alpha fly or something like that. That was one of my favorite shoes and I was wearing them to like work. And one of the kids is like, those are for running. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Cause my, my calves is kind of sore. And I'm like, what the? yeah, maybe they are, but I didn't really care about it like that. I, you know, and, and then people are like, if you're not a runner, I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, cause we, you know, we've heard it all like, I skate, I deserve SBs, but uh, for a kid that grew up wearing Jordans that really wasn't that great at basketball, like you can't tell me anything about that. I think sneakers as a whole are going to continue to adapt and, and people should be able to wear whatever the hell they want to wear. Um, it should never be pigeonholed, especially now that it's so acceptable. I used to go to clubs when I was like 20 and you couldn't ever think of walking in a club wearing sneakers. Like it was just like absolutely not. I don't care who you know. Uh, and now it's like, you know, just casual Fridays every day. I mean, it's it's just pretty uh, insane to think of where it's reached. And I think it can only go further. So you talk about some of those futuristic things, you know, uh, you obviously are paying attention to the technology and, and all the releases. So can you just kind of end with this and, and, and tell us about what the future of concepts is and kind of where you guys are looking to go and what you see in the coming years? Sure. Um, so, I mean, I think we've always been risk takers and I, you know, kudos to my boss, Tarek, for that. Uh, he's going to continue to build brick and mortar. Uh, it's still a, a you know, a, uh, foundation of who we are. Uh, online is a, is a crowded space. So we'll, we'll continue to service there, but for us, uh, providing the experience. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> you know, fingers crossed, whatever's going to happen, uh, in the next coming months, uh, hopefully it, it subsides and we get back to normal. But um, that's our focus for now. Um, these guys will be growing the uh, power brand and hopefully bringing it to where it needs to be. And I'll continue to try to come up with stupid ideas that hopefully uh, generate some interest, man. You know, that sounds good. Well, we appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you again for everything you do for the sneaker world and, and taking the time today. It's the same to you guys, man. Thanks a ton. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ian. So that's it for this week's episode of Sneaker Salaries, but let's keep the conversation going online on our social media channels. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sneaker Salaries and hit us with a DM or a tweet. You can follow me personally on Instagram at John B-E-E-J Kim. And you can follow me on Instagram at Jordan Hagedorn. We'd love to hear your feedback. And if there's a topic you want us to tackle or a guest you want us to have on, you can reach out to us at sneakersalariespod at gmail.com. If you like the episode, feel free to share it with your friends and help spread the word. And please show us some love by leaving a five-star rating and positive review so we can grow this podcast. Sneaker Salaries is a sneakernews.com and 137 p.m. partnership and a Gallery Media Group original production.